We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? It is the best way to end. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay, so fill in the blank on our first question today. What's one thing you need to see from Notre Dame coming out of this bye? The one thing I need to see Notre Dame coming out of of the bye is building off of what has worked. Ah, I don't know what just happened to Jesse. I think that I I think that I thought I was uh getting rid of uh Here he comes. He's coming back. <laughs> Sorry about that. I think I removed you by mistake. I was I was trying to get rid of your diagram and I think that I booted you out. So go ahead and start over again. <laughs> no worries. I thought that I messed it up. So I'm glad that it wasn't me. Uh the one thing I need to see Notre Dame I need to see from Notre Dame coming out of the bye is continuous building off of prior success. I need to see them continue to take a step forward, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I need to see them, you know, consistently doing the things that they know uh, work. I I don't think that there's any time to waste. (laughs) There's no, there's no time to waste on, on running plays, um, you know, experimental plays, or maybe, you know, getting, you're you're having a kind of agenda of certain things you want to get done. I want to see them, uh, build off of what they did well on these last two wins and get better at them and, and consistently, you know, just in, establish this dominance in the run game um, early and often. So the number one thing I need to see is just growth, uh, you know, building growth, you know, looking at the things that worked and saying, hey, these worked. And now how can we take it to the next level? I don't want to see them take steps back on things that, is, that have already proven to work for them. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, Marcus Freeman talked yesterday about run the ball. It sets everything up. And I think that that's true for this offense, especially the way they were able to deploy, you know, the running backs and use a lot of the two back sets and all that different stuff. To me, kind of building off that, if you run the ball, it sets everything up. I've got to see the wide receivers actually be a factor in games going forward because the competition is going to get tougher down the stretch. Syracuse is not going to be a pushover. BYU is still a solid team. You know, they're they're still better than Marshall. Clemson, USC, obviously. The wide receivers have got to become a factor. And now they showed that they could do something to an extent. We've got a lot of people talking about Tobias Merriweather still, and I, I don't blame you for that. But, you know, the, the numbers of this wide receiver group, 
29 receptions for 364 total yards by Irish wide receivers. And that is four wide receivers who have caught passes for Notre Dame this season. Lorenzo Styles, Braden Lindsey, Matt Salerno, Jaden Thomas. Those are the only four. 29 catches between them, 364 yards. The It, it accounts for just 40% of the team's total catches and 43% of the total receiving yards for the team today. Like if you flip that and talk about the team that we were just talking about, BYU, 76 receptions for 1,060 yards. That's just for the wide receivers alone. You know, that's not including tight ends and running backs for BYU. The the BYU receivers, 76 catches, 1,060 yards. That represents 62% and 72% of the Cougars, you know, receiving production through their five games. And so, like, if Notre Dame can even creep up closer to 50% where the wide receivers are contributing to 50%, because you're talking about more receivers being on the field at any given time, yet their overall production, you know, the guys you expect the ball to be going to, their overall production is less than the running backs and, of course, Michael Mayer right now. Now, as you brought up yesterday, and I agree with, the fact that, you know, Notre Dame's running backs have helped offset some of that with what they're able to do. I mean, that helps, but they have had to do that. The wide receivers have to step up and be an actual factor in uh, in game plans and, and offensive success on a week-to-week basis going forward. <laughs> Salty said, easy on Marshall's defense. We owe them a Father's Day card. You're probably <laughs> right about that. All right, Jess, if Notre Dame is in a situation where it must have a field goal late in the game, late game, crucial field goal coming up, what is the longest distance that you would feel extremely confident, you know, like eight or nine, maybe even out of 10, that Blake Groupie is going to hit that field goal in a clutch late game situation? What's the distance that you're looking at? It's it's interesting because you look at Groupie and you know he's a graduate transfer and you know he's set all of these you know scoring records at the in his time as a you know an undergraduate um, and so you, you know he has the experience you know he should have the confidence you know uh, he he's got you know a leg he's he's made some important field goals before it's just for some reason that that hasn't translated while being at Notre Dame so it's like is it a pressure is it is it you know, because of uh, a product of, you know, the pressure and, and the new environment and kind of having the expectations of, you know, I'm now the kicker for a, a legit program. Right. Um, and, and, you know, more of what happens can sway the game, you know, in these kind of matchups, a missed extra point, a missed field goal, those can come back to really, you know, haunt you and more of these big time games. So I think that that's more of kind of where we're seeing him uh, have some struggles with these these kicks early on. I think when it comes down to it, though, he's got the leg. Uh, but where I would feel like real comfortable, I think I'd set it right at, you know, long distance. I'd set it right at between 45 and 50. I don't think I could go anywhere Ooh. over 50. You would uh, feel eight out of nine, 45 to 50 yards. I would feel good about. Or, uh, or eight out of 10 even. You would feel yeah. that secure that he's going to hit in a I clutch. Think, I think I, he's got the leg Ooh. and he's got the. He's got everything else. He just needs to see that first kind of big one go through uh, in a big game, in a meaningful game. So anything under 50, I think I'm good with. 
I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried Trade Coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Groupie is comfortable from PAT and in <laughs> says we are not Marshall, which piggybacking was salty. He says 16 yards. I mean, that's, you know, basically, let me see, 16, 10. You're not even kicking, you know, you're kicking from like the one yard line, I think, in that situation. You know, you basically, that is a PAT. I'm saying, you know, because, you know, I saw this, you know, Groupie is solid from 45 and in. Solid, yes, but I'm not talking solid. I'm talking about this, you know, like if if it's a he's got to have this field goal, got to have it. It's like you're trying to tie the game or you're trying to win the game late in the game. I'm not talking about he's solid. I'm talking about I am as close to 100%, you know, that he's going to hit this field goal as possible. I'm only 100, you know, like, I'm I'm 100% from 35 yards. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's just what it is now. Just based on what we've seen from him so far, I am 100% from 35 
if we get to to you know to 40 yards then I, you know even that extra five yards i'm kind of in that eight nine range anything more than that late in the game you know maybe the ball needs to be on a different hash mark for him i don't know but that's that's about it right now i've got to see him you know as you said he had a lot of success at arkansas state but notre dame and arkansas state might as well be in different galaxies they are in terms of college football there's there's so much more on him and so much more pressure that comes with every kick when you're kicking for Notre Dame as opposed to Arkansas State. Maybe all it takes is, you know, one or two kicks to get him some confidence. You know, like one kick in in a in a semi, you know, pressure situation, you know, like end of half even to kind of give him some confidence, get him going. But I'm just not – it's it's hard – you know, again, like he, you know, seems like a good guy, but, you know, like, you know – all the all the the Andy Griffith fans out there, you know, if you ever saw, you know, Andy Griffith and Opie Taylor, you know, like he's, he reminds me of of Opie, you know, from the Andy Griffith show. He's just a small guy, you know, from from a small town in a small school, and you, you've stepped up to the big lights now. So you know, it's it's not a a personal knock on him. I've just got to see him do it because you know the the. The couple of misses that he that he's had, and, and you know, obviously one got over. You know, got he Notre Dame got a second life because of that flag that shouldn't have been a a flag and all that stuff. You know that 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 he missed, but it ended up not missing. So that that's as confident as I am right now because it's just been shaky enough that it, it kind of scares me in a late game situation. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that I have just a little bit more confidence than you. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. All right, so BYU unveiled its Shamrock Series uniforms yesterday. They're going to be all black with blue stripes on the sleeves. So whose Shamrock uniforms do you like better, Notre Dame's all white or BYU's all black? Oh, it's 100% Notre Dame's um, all white. I just kind of started looking at BYU's um, all black uniforms. They're kind of going with this. Uh, they, they, it kind of reminds me of Duke uh, in, in what they're what they're doing here. They have like the black uniforms, uh, white numbers, and then a royal blue stripe down the pant leg, and then some royal blue stripes as well on the shoulder pads. Um, and then their helmets are kind of like this uh, black that fades into a royal blue, and then has two white stripes uh, going down the side, and then the, and then the the Y for BYU. Um, on the side, I personally am not a fan of bl- mixing any sort of like blue um, and black. I don't mind the all black look. I think it looks good. I just would eliminate more of the of the blue. I think I would go kind of all black helmets, all black uniforms, white numbers. And if they wanted to use blue, kind of use it as a blue trimming um, or outline. But I think definitely that Notre Dame's are better. The all white is beautiful. Uh, and then using <laughs> the gold to kind of accent it. Uh, it's going to be a really good look. I, I think, I guess what I like the most um, is how these uniforms kind of match up in the game. You have basically monochrome all white and then monochrome yeah. kind of all black. So I think it'll it'll look good going against each other. Won't be um, hard to tell them apart. Yeah, and it's easier on the eyes. It's very nice. It, it, there's a distinct difference between who yeah. is who out there. The colorblind won't have a problem watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not like I think it was Buffalo and the Jets a few years back. You had red and green, and I remember – you know, I'm not colorblind, but I remember them saying, you know, like people who are colorblind couldn't tell the teams 
apart. I'm not a monochrome fan by any means, but if it's going to be monochrome, I would rather have white than a dark monochrome. You know, I'd like to see in Notre Dame, you know, they've got kind of the gold squigglies and, and some of that kind of stuff. And as a broadcaster sitting up in the booth, you know, the, the lighter gold numbers, at least they've got some dark trim around the numbers to kind of offset it a little bit. But just the look itself, I definitely like the all white with, with the gold look compared to the all black with the blue stripes. And I actually was like, when I was watching that BYU um, Utah State game last week, like the blue that that BYU was using in those uniforms, I actually like because they've kind of had more of a Navy look and that was more of a Royal look that they were wearing in that game. And then they saw that, you know, that they unveiled their own Shamrock series uniform. So I, I like, I like the all white. I think all white is a nice clean look, you know, again, maybe, you know, some different accents Notre Dame could add, but like, if I'm just looking at the base uniforms, I definitely like the the gold on white compared to, the uh, the the all black with you know the blue stripes and the stuff like that that BYU is going with. All right, I was looking here and I just saw you know some people was uh, people were still kind of commenting, uh, you know, on some of the the kicking and and stuff like that. So we talked a little bit yesterday, Jesse, about the current Power Five job openings, the ones that are open now. You've got five Power Five jobs open. Nebraska, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Colorado, Georgia Tech. Well, Deion Sanders is 15-2 and two currently over the past two years at Jackson State. And that includes a 4-0 record this year after going 11-2 last year. And he is kind of becoming someone whose name, you know, is, is starting to circulate a little bit more because of that success that he's having at Jackson State. So if you're looking at Deion, do any of those five jobs, are, are any of them maybe a better fit for him, do you think? Like if he was going to move up to one of these jobs? Um, I, you know, I, I in, in previous conversations about both of these, we've, we've talked about Deion Sanders as a coach and we've talked about, you know, these power five openings. I don't see Deion as being a guy who necessarily needs that power five stage or necessarily kind of wants to be a part of that at this point in his career. You know, I, that's just my opinion, whatever. Uh, but of those schools, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Colorado, Georgia Tech, I think that Deion Sanders would have the best fit um, in Arizona State. I think that that kind of plays into um, a lot of things that we we talked about, you know, the last couple of days of Arizona State having, you know, good weather that's attractive to recruits. Arizona State being a school that's known for, you know, having a good time that's attractive to recruits. Uh, being able to have maybe probably less um, academic regulations compared to Georgia Tech, Nebraska, Wisconsin. So you can get more JUCOs, you know, transferred in. Uh, you can be more lenient with some of these recruits. I think Arizona is a good recruiting grounds. I think the Pac-12 has shown weakness where it seems like every year a new kind of leader emerges uh, in the Pac-12. So for those reasons, uh, I think his lifestyle also plays into it uh, as well. I just think that Arizona State would be the best fit uh, for Deion Sanders, if that was a decision that he was looking to make. I agree as well. And like when you look at academics, you know, we've talked about the Arizona State job. I wouldn't say quite a bit, but every time that we've kind of, you know, brought up these different openings and stuff like that, the Arizona State job is desirable for a lot of reasons. You know, the weather, of course, being one of them, you know, your proximity 
to Los Angeles. And Deion Sanders, because of the fact that your academic standards at Arizona State are not going to be probably what they are at at least most of those other schools, uh, you know, I think that that makes a, a, a very good fit. It's easier to recruit to him with a guy like Deion Sanders. I think you can pull in a lot of recruits at a place like that. We are not Marshall, says Dion waiting for that Auburn job. And I that's, mean, that, that's a good point. Could be a very good point, you know, where they are right now. I, I, you know, I think his dream job is that Florida State job. And I think that that's why he was willing to go where he went to Jackson State to prove that he actually could coach to maybe one day have a chance at that Florida State job. And maybe down the line, you know, that is still what he's eyeing. But, uh, you know, Florida State lost for the first time last week after their own. 4-0 start, I assume, uh, I, don't, I guess you don't want to assume too much because things can still change in a hurry, but that job, at least for now, seems to be on stable footing, you know, for, for at least this year. So, I, you know, I don't think that that uh, that that's probably going to be a possibility for Dion. That Auburn job is, I mean, that's one that's probably going to come open sooner than later, but of the ones that are open right now, I think Arizona State is definitely, you know, the big one. Now, now Brian says Georgia Tech would be nice for Dion, and you know, a I very think we hard brought, school to get into. That's the thing because the recruiting, you know, the recruiting area is awesome. Obviously, you know, they're like the state of Georgia itself for recruiting. I think Dion would do really well there. But I think that you know the fact that you you know again because of the academics being higher at a place like Georgia Tech, especially if you're going to compare it, you know, comparing Georgia Tech to a place like Arizona State, like we were just talking about, I think that uh, that, that would make it a lot tougher. And you kind of wonder if maybe, you know, that's where Georgia Tech is right now. And the fact that, you know, they, they went so long, you know, with that triple option offense and all that. Tyler Evans says, do you think Wisconsin already has their guy in Jim Leonard? And it kind of sounds like, with the Wisconsin job, you know, like what do they what do they have? Seven games, I think, left now at this point. Like this is an audition for Jim Leonard, just kind of based on some of the stuff that I have already seen already. That like Jim Leonard probably does have a realistic shot at at getting the job, you know, if they play well down the stretch. And if it's not Jim Leonard. Oh, it pains me to say this. It's probably going to be Lance Leopold, you know, assuming that he is interested in it. But Leopold, Leopold, you know, is a, uh, you know, the Kansas head coach, is a Wisconsin native. He won all the Division Three championships at Whitewater there in Wisconsin. You know, so like it seems like a perfect fit. You would, and he has actually coached at Wisconsin before, as well. So like if I were betting right now on who's going to get the Wisconsin job, it would be one of those, those two, either Jim Leonard, defensive coach who's taken over as the interim coach or Lance Leopold, the current Kansas head coach after their five and zero start. That would be my guess. Uh, yeah, side anyway. note, when, when we are not Marshall brought up Dion to Auburn, I thought I'd have to give a phone call uh, to my good friend Alan Green at the University of Auburn, uh, but I just came into the news that he is no longer the athletic director at Auburn. Yeah, you're so a few weeks behind on that. Yeah, you're about a few a month weeks now. behind on that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, I can't pull a favor for you know my good friend Dion and talk to my good friend uh, Alan Green down at the University of Auburn. That's right. Yep. 
That's right. Okay, Jess, I have heard Russell Wilson referred to by multiple TV announcers as a Hall of Famer. So do you buy or sell Russell Wilson as a Hall of Famer? You buy the moniker. This is tough. I, I went into a deep dive of Russell Wilson <laughs> because I right. myself am not a Russell Wilson fan. Um, so I wanted to put away all biasy, and I started, you know, kind of looking at the Russell Wilson resume. The first thing that sticks out to me is he has never been a all pro player. He's only made the pro bowl. I think eight or nine times is what sounds right. Never been Um, an MVP. He has never been an MVP. Uh, And so, yeah, he's only made, you know, the pro bowl, which is still a good feat, uh, but not quite as high, obviously as MVP or being, you know, a first team, all pro second team, all pro. Um, etc. And so I started to then look at, you know, where his all time numbers kind of, you know, stack up uh, against everyone else. I guess I shouldn't, you know, I, I, I would be failing to mention that he is a, a Super Bowl champion, a one time Super Bowl champion. Uh, but like I said, I started looking at, you know, his career numbers right now. He's 24th uh, in passing at about 38,000 uh, passing yards. Just for comparison, Tom Brady is number one at about 86. Uh, thousand passing yards some noticeable or notable people um, on that list is Matt Stafford he's at 12th right now at about 51,000 Carson Palmer is at 46,000 at about 15th right now Uh, Joe Flacco actually 42,000 is 19th so there's a decent amount of people you know ahead of him all time in the passing uh, yards but still 24th overall is you know really good there's been a lot of quarterbacks obviously so then I started to go look at how many touchdown passes has Russell Wilson thrown. He's thrown, he's currently at about 300 all time. John Elway is at 300 at number 13. Russell Wilson is at 296 and 14th overall. Uh, Just for comparison, again, Tom Brady has about double that number and he leads right now at 630. Uh, Peyton Manning ended up with 539. Again, uh, Russell Wilson's at around 300 right now. So, you know, 14th overall, not, you know, again, not bad. Uh, but he's starting to get into the big boy territory, right? And so he's he's I think he's above average, but he's not elite. He's not like you know the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady, you know the Drew Brees, uh, at least in my opinion. And you have to take into account that he's playing in a very pass heavy you know era that yes. also helps his stats. And you know maybe compared to some of the all time quarterbacks that didn't get to you know rack up the passing stats. Long story short. Never won MVP, one-time Super Bowl champion, never been All-Pro. His numbers are kind of, you know, they're good, they're above average, and I think that's just about what Russell Wilson is. I don't think he's quite elite or great, but he's definitely above average uh, on the cusp of being elite. But I just don't think uh, I can consider him a Hall of Fame quarterback with, you know, what he's accomplished in his career. I think I would need to see more of, you know, maybe an MVP in there, maybe another Super Bowl uh, those kind of accolades, but where we stand today, does he have impressive numbers? Yes, but I just don't think it's quite uh, Hall of Fame level. And you can't just throw around the Hall of Fame tag to anyone because then it becomes less of a a prestigious thing. Right. We are not Marshall asked best receiver Wilson's played with. Probably prior to DK Metcalf, it was Golden Tate. I, I think those are probably the top two guys. I saw Shy Town said Bobby Ingram, but I would put DK Metcalf ahead of of either one of those guys, basically based on the short career that DK Metcalf has had. The stat that stands out to me 
for Russell Wilson, and you just went through a lot. But the one Doug that I Baldwin think is the wide receiver I was thinking of. Doug Baldwin. Okay, Sorry. I think the 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 number that jumps out to me in his favor is the touchdown to interception ratio because he has 296 career touchdowns, just 88 interceptions. That's 3.3 to one. That is an insane number. I mean, that is a, that is a legit number right there. And the fact that he's actually, he passes for over 3,700 on average, 3,700 yards per season, which is kind of deceptive as well, because when I think of the way that offense has, you know, ran when he was up there in Seattle with Pete Carroll, it was, it was, you know, I, I think of it more as a power running offense and not a big passing offense, you know, so maybe that kind of takes away from him. But now the other thing, yeah, and the other thing that he has in his favor is winning the Super Bowl. But there are a lot of one-time Super Bowl winners. Joe Theismann, Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, Jeff Hostetler, Jim McMahon, you know, guys like that. And like Joe Theismann is probably the most notable of the one-time Super Bowl winners not in the Hall of Fame. And like you look at his touchdown to interception ratio. When I looked this up today, I could not believe it. 160 touchdown passes, 138 interceptions in his <laughs> NFL career. I mean, I I would not have ever thought watching Joe Theismann play in his prime that he threw that many interceptions, especially, you know, he doesn't even have a two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. And he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns in his three years in the Canadian Football League as well. And then, like, you look at a guy like Jim Plunkett, who won two Super Bowls with the Raiders, he's not in the Hall of Fame. So. I think, I think you know, I agree with some of the comments that we're seeing and, and what you're saying. Yeah, Ken Stabler, a one-time winner as well. Thank you very much there, Stymie. So, you know, I think that there are a lot of one-time Super Bowl winners. That should not be enough. And the fact that Russell Wilson, now granted, there have been a lot of really good, basically two really good quarterbacks ahead of him that have prevented him from winning MVPs, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Those guys are going to the Hall of Fame, but you know I agree. I think that Russell Wilson has been really good, but where he is in his career right now, especially with the way things have started in Denver, they expected him to be able to carry that team. He has not carried anything so far. I, I think it's way too soon to be saying Russell Wilson is a Hall of Famer, to just throw that out for, for a guy who's never even won an MVP, because the biggest credential that he has is that Super Bowl. But again, there are a lot of one-time Super Bowl winners who are never going to sniff the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think two important things to kind of wrap up this question is one, he might might be more uh, known for, for the Super Bowl he didn't win and the interception he threw on yeah. the goal line, you know, and I know that that's not his fault and he can't control the play call, but he still threw the interception and, uh, and, and still lost that Super Bowl with that interception. So I think that large largely hangs over his head. And I think, I think honestly, if Russell Wilson wants to get into the hall of fame, it'll be largely predicated by what he does in this last window with the Broncos. I think if he can go out and somehow, you know, have a consistent three, four years, five years, you know, the kind of the contract they gave him and the the money they gave him and he can win a super bowl and consistently, you know, I, I, I say win another super bowl uh, and can add on to those stats. He might have a strong chance, but right now today, I just don't see it quite yet. All right, we've had four weeks of the NFL season, which means 
four weeks of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman in the Monday Night Football booth, and three of those weeks, including last night, uh, were uh, Manning cast nights. We've had the Manning casts as well. So my question to you, Jess, have you watched more or less of the Mannings this year compared to last year when you think about the fact that now you've got Buck and Aikman in the main booth? I have actually listened uh, to about the same as what I did last year. I was a fan of the Manning cast. And the only time I didn't watch the Manning cast is when my team, the Dallas Cowboys, were playing. So when they played, uh, what was that, like a week ago, I did not watch uh, the Manning cast. But every other game, I have watched the Manning cast. And it's it's not a, you know, it's not against, it, it could be whoever. It's nothing against Buck or Aikman. I like Buck and Aikman. I just enjoy the Manning cast. I like that the fact that they bring on guests. Um, and I also uh, enjoy, you know, the things that you learn. I know it kind of sounds corny and they might be a little bit boring, but listening to someone like Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, you know, talk through kind of coverages um, and what they are expecting based off of, you know, pre, pre-snap pre formations and those sort of things. Those are the things that make me excited um, as a football fan. And I realize that that's not necessarily what Aikman and Buck are getting uh, paid to do, you know, their, their, their style is, is more of obviously, you know, kind of traditional uh, broadcasting, but I do flip, you know, I, sometimes the Mannings do get boring. And so I'll flip over to the main feed, but I'd say where I'm at predominantly, I like the Manning cast. Um, and I, the only way I'm not watching them like hundred percent again, is if, uh, you know, my team is playing. Cause I like to know what's going on uh, in the game, you know, hearing the referees, hearing talk about, you know, maybe some injuries or that kind of stuff. But uh, overall, I, I'm into the Mannings. I enjoy it. I watched a lot more Manning cast last year when the Monday night Monday night booth was what it was. And we don't have to bash on them. You know, they did their best. They're a professional crew and all that. But it's not Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And like getting to watch Fox games for the last, what is it, 20 years or whatever that, you know, or roughly 20 years that, that, uh, Buck and Aikman were together on Fox, like them moving into the booth. There's definitely a different feel. Like it feels more like big game on Monday night football again, you know, after, after growing up, you know, with, with Cosell and, and, you know, all, all those guys in, in the Monday night booth, Frank Gifford. And then, you know, the, and, and just as that, you know, dandy Don Meredith, all those guys, you know, like the original Monday night crews and, and, you know, and what it became the bigness of Monday night football and what it basically sank to, you know, for basically what, probably the last 20 or so years, like getting Buck and Aikman. I have watched, you know, more, much more of the main feed this year, more Monday night football in general in games that my team, you know, a, a team has not played in. Obviously, they've only played in one so far and it's not that I don't like the Mannings it's just that I watched more of the Mannings last year because it was a nice kind of change of pace and you know you got to hear some different insights and stuff like that I did watch more of it last night just because kind of I was thinking that, that we were probably going to talk about this I will say they uh they definitely had some fun last night with uh, the idiot who came out on the field <laughs> Yeah, I understand that we could. You know, they don't want to talk about it. I understand it. the A team could show it, but the B team, like, we should be able to show that. I think that's what. what here you go. Oh, yeah. There he is. Like there he is. Nice. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. 
That's what we're talking Wagner. about. Wagner, a veteran, right? Get him down. Now get Wagner out and tackle. let these guys take over. Oh, Bobby Wagner, veteran play. He had some smoke going on there. Yeah, he's got a t-shirt on. I mean, he's promoting something. Yeah. Amateur hour there. If you're on a streak, you got to go full throttle and go news, right? <laughs> I mean, what is this? I like that from uh, I like that from Eli there at the end. You got to go full throttle. It's amateur hour. If you're going to streak, you gotta you gotta go for it. I thought that was definitely some fun with Bobby Wagner coming out there and leveling the pink smoke guy that came out on the field. That again, you didn't get to see on the main feed, but they showed it on the Manning cast. So you know, there's there's a there's a Manning cast benefit, I guess. But I haven't watched as much of the Manning cast, but they're definitely still having fun. I just got to say, Bobby Wagner leveled that guy. I think that whoever that guy was is largely considering all of his decisions because not only did he have to probably sit in the night in jail, but he got leveled by Bobby Wagner. Like that was yes. a big time hit. And I thought that it was funny too. It's like such a pro move. Just get the guy down. You know, you can catch him. You're an NFL linebacker. And then you just let the, you know, the security do the job after that. Now that, that was audio only. That of course was not video. That was a still photo, you know, like, you would see, uh, you know, like if ESPN was showing Olympic stuff, it was a still photo with the audio courtesy of ESPN too. So I think, I, I think technically, you know, we stayed within our boundaries there because we did not show any video that was that was audio only from the broadcast last night, courtesy of ESPN too. All right, so ESPN is expected to have a direct to consumer streaming service within the next two years. And of course, every, you know, not everyone, but you're seeing more cord cutting, a lot more streaming. You know, I think you're mostly a, a streaming guy where you are. So with this new service, it would be like the ESPN channel. You would get all of the ESPN programming without having to subscribe to a cable or satellite TV provider. So my question, Jess, how much would you be willing to pay per month to have that? from ESPN, the ESPN streaming app. So you've got the full channel of ESPN streaming. I guess, first of all, we shouldn't be surprised because everyone's now just going to package up, you know, their services and call it a streaming service. And yep. you know, it was all fun and dandy and until everyone kind of had to monopolize or make the, you know, make some money off the situation. So unfortunately, this is the path we're seeing it go. Uh, in terms of how much I would pay for an all ESPN package, uh, I pay right now $15 a month for Netflix, you know, somewhere around there, 12, between 12 Is and 15 it that much for Netflix? Yeah, it's, it's cranked up. Lucky for you, you're on I wouldn't my know bill, because huh? I share an account. Yeah, you just take mine. That's funny. Uh, but I, I, you know, knowing what that price is, I think I'd set my bar for ES, you know, knowing how much sports I watch and, you know, what comes along with it and all the 30 for 30s. And, you know, there's a ton of stuff that's going to come with it. I think I'd set my price at like $10 a month. I think that's where I'd feel the most most comfortable. Anything over that, I'd start to you know, feel uncomfortable. I, I would love for it to stay out of double digits, but I think the, the double digit, only double digit number I'd be okay with is, is $10. Much more than that. You got to look at, you know, Netflix, like I said, is like $15, but they're providing a lot more. You have TV shows, movies, you know, a lot of, you know, current stuff and then obviously older stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I'm going nine, nine $10. Yeah, and that's the problem with all, you know, all this, you know, like the cord cutting is you get into what we're getting into now. So now everyone's got their streaming service 
And if you want to watch all the stuff that you want to watch, then you end up paying for all these streaming services. And by the time it's all said and done, aren't you paying almost as much as you would be paying per month if you were, you know, just stayed on cable to begin with? Exactly. And that's, you know, I'm like where we, and the big thing is for sports fans because, and like, as someone, you know, who has to follow all this stuff for your job, you know, like I need ESP or I need NBC and I need ESPN and I need CBS and I need Fox. And sometimes I need FS1 and I need the ACC network. And, you know, so I need all these different things. So like, for me and for like any, you know, like sports fans who really want to watch all their sports, I don't know that there's that much benefit to just having an ESPN app. So like you said $10, I was expecting you to see, you know, to, to kind of go even closer to 15 or 20 bucks since you're already, you know, again, splitting it up. The problem is, you know, like sometimes your game isn't even on ESPN. It's on ESPN too. And so then are you just back on ESPN plus? Because I don't know about you, like when it's on ESPN plus, I've tried the, uh, you know, like the adapter into my TV. Is it just me or does ESPN plus not work on your day? Like, do they not want you to watch it through an adapter on your TV? Have you ever tried that? No, I haven't tried. I've just more, uh, more so like last this past weekend where I, I was using the Sunday ticket, uh, I just pulled it up on my phone and then just airplayed it to my TV. I didn't yeah. have to worry about. See, and uh, then Tyler brings up a great point because I do have Sunday ticket. And here's my biggest concern with the Sunday ticket, like because it's going to be on a streaming service next year. It's probably either going to be on Amazon or on Apple. And here's my biggest question, because like right now, if I have things going on on Sunday afternoon and I want to record the Cowboys game, which I do from time to time, and then come back and want to watch it after the fact, I can power through a Cowboys game or any NFL game that I record in an hour. But if the Sunday ticket is going to a streaming platform, what's my ability going to be? You know, like, am I still going to have to, you know, one, is it going to record? Am I going to be able to go back and watch it after the fact at all? Because I don't know if you can do that, you know, like with the Amazon, these Thursday night games, I haven't really, you know, looked or tried to go back and watch any of them. Maybe I can see if they've got them on archive, but can I go back and watch them after the fact? And if I do, do I have to sit through the full commercial? So I'm committed to three to three and a half hours to get through it. I think the people need to know how much you despise commercials. Well, if I'm watching it after the fact, don't you want to get through the commercials so that you're not, you know, because again, <laughs> if you can fast forward through commercials in halftime, you can get through a football game in an literally in an hour, as opposed to watching in live time with all the commercials, you know, you can forward through the downtime between plays and all that different stuff. So there's a big difference. And Tyler was saying Amazon prime, I think I, I assume you're talking about where the Sunday ticket is going to be. It hasn't been decided yet. It's most likely between Amazon and uh, Apple from all the, the stuff that I've heard right now. It has not, they don't have a definite home for it yet, but most likely it's going to be on a streamer next year. But there are a lot of questions. And again, like for this ESPN thing, 10 bucks is probably my max. But again, like for my needs, I'm probably never going to get, you know, a one-off streaming app just because I need all those other channels to watch sports. 
Yeah, unfortunately for someone like you, if they said 20, you know, 20 would be coming yeah. out of the pocket. Well, and I saw uh, here, here it was. Nick said he does the Hulu live for 60 bucks a month. Is that what you do? Are you on the Hulu live? Yeah, I have Hulu live. And is that what you pay like 60 bucks a month? Yep, right around there. Yeah, see, that's 60 bucks. And then, you know, your other streaming services. I don't know. I, I get. What do you get with Hulu Live? Like, are you getting your networks and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff through that? It's okay. not like, you know, it's not, not. it's probably like 100 live channels, uh, you know, opposed to, you know, direct TV and all that stuff. But okay. all I know is is on college, uh, like when college games are on, on Saturdays, like I can find almost every college game there is. There, I have no issues. There's tons of live sports. Um, I, I would say the only downside uh, is, is, you know, like when there's nothing on, there's not like endless channels to just go scroll through, you know, it's a very set, like I said, like a hundred channels, maybe, uh, not many, but it's known for the live sports, you know, basketball is on football is on baseball is on. It has, um, a lot of, a lot of avenues to watch a lot of different live sports. All right. Shy town says prime gives you the ability to rewatch games and fast forward to any point. So that's, that's good information. Thank you, Irish Shy Town. I do have the Prime app, so I'll have to go back and see if maybe they've still got like last week's uh, Thursday night game and and the ability to uh, to kind of go through that. But that's my biggest concern. You know, again, having the Sunday ticket and being able to record games, even if they're not on the ticket, even if it's a a regular channel, you know, to record games and and be able to get back through commercials and all that kind of stuff. All right, Jess. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. I know, like you said, you're off for the next few days, so enjoy your time off. The Dean, Vince D'Addario, will be in the next couple of days, so looking forward to uh, to talking to you later. Great Chalk Talk stuff that we had earlier tonight. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, like closing thoughts, I think Notre Dame should have no issue with this game, assuming that they do the things that they did well um, against North Carolina. I don't think BYU is going to throw anything crazy at them. Um, and, yeah, I would just like to see another – you know, solid performance and obviously another impressive victory. I think they can get back on that path to, you know, potentially being ranked again um, and still getting to some, you know, some of their goals and, and you know, competing well against Clemson and USC. I think that they can win uh, both of those games. Uh, you know, it's like, like I said, they just start kind of building towards uh, being better and, and getting better at the things that, that they know uh, that they're good at. And that's what I want to see against BYU. They're a solid team and I'd like to see them beat them doing the things that they know that they can do well. Yep, absolutely. Concur. All right. Great stuff. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for joining us tonight. Remember to hit that like button on your way out. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, comment, whatever you do, just do it. It helps out Irish Breakdown greatly. We will talk to you later. IB Nation Sports Talk. Peace.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.